Hey, York Alliance. Welcome back to the York Alliance Daily for Tuesday, August 18th. Hope you're all doing well as we journey through this week. I want to jump back in for at least one more revisiting of the the transfiguration story. This time, the second half of the story, it's a little interesting if you're just reading along in the transfiguration story. Um, This conversation shifts in a way that maybe is tough for us to follow. So I I won't reread the first eight verses, but the first eight verses record Jesus being transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John, and uh, seeing Moses and Elijah with him. Then um, as they lifted up their eyes, this is verse eight, they saw no one but Jesus only. So Moses and Elijah disappear. Jesus comes back to uh, more of a typical appearance. And then verse 9 says this, As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Doesn't that question seem just like totally out of the blue to you? Like what you just experienced is, first of all, Moses and Elijah. So Elijah is here. But even more than that, like, wouldn't you be asking about what you've just experienced? Instead, they're saying, why do the scribes say that, that Moses or that Elijah must come? And this is verse 11. Jesus answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So the question is, why in the world do they ask that question? What does it mean? Um, The Bible that Jesus read and the Bible that the disciples knew and studied and understood ended with the book of Malachi. And, And Malachi ends, let me just read in Malachi 4, the last two verses, verses five and six, this is the end of the revelation of God through what we call now the Old Testament, but what Jesus and the disciples would have known to be the Holy Scriptures. And this way, behold, I will send Elijah, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So based on the end of Malachi, all of the the teachers of the law and all of the faithful Jews were looking for the return of Elijah. In fact, if you go today to a Passover celebration of, of an Orthodox Jew with an Orthodox Jewish family, You'll find in the middle of that Passover celebration, um, often children going to the front door and opening the door, looking for Elijah. Elijah is the precursor to the coming of the kingdom. So when the disciples ask, why do they say that Elijah must come first? They're not asking about what they've just experienced on the mountain. They're not asking about that vision of Elijah. But rather, the revelation that Jesus is indeed the king, and the kingdom is here, and the expectation has been that Elijah would precede the coming of the kingdom. Now they're saying, the kingdom's here. Did, what, what happened? We thought Elijah was supposed to come first. And Jesus' response is, 
Elijah did come first. In fact, Elijah came first and they did to him whatever they pleased. And Matthew records for us, they realized that he was talking about John the Baptist. Okay, so why in the world is that important, apart from a little bit of Bible trivia and a little bit of explanation of this odd story and the odd flow of the story? Well, I think it's important because of this. The entire Jewish community was looking for two primary figures. They were looking for Elijah to come as the precursor to the kingdom, and they were looking for the Messiah to come to set up his kingdom, to establish the kingdom. They had been looking for centuries, and they were looking with intentionality at their community and the world around them in order to see Elijah and the Messiah. Now, Jesus is revealed as the Messiah, and he's just explained to them that that guy you interacted with out by the river, that guy that everybody in this Jewish community knew about, that was Elijah. They totally missed him. They, just as the rest of society had missed the Messiah, they had missed the coming of Elijah. And the same thing is true for us today. It would be foolish of us to think within a society where we are so distracted by so many things that we are seeing more clearly than the Jewish community did 2,000 years ago. As we look for the signs and we try to understand what's going on in the world around us as we await the coming of Jesus, there are so many who have said during this season, it's very, very clear that Jesus is coming soon. And maybe he is. Uh, one of the things that we've talked quite a bit about at the leadership level of the Christian Missionary Alliance is that God has established several end times communities that are part of ushering in the return of Jesus. And Dr. Stumbo has repeatedly said that he believes that the Alliance is one of those end time communities that are part of ushering in the return of Jesus. Certainly, Jesus is coming soon in the broad perspective. But to say that we have figured it out to say that based on this thing that we've seen in the news or this activity that we see happening or this way of engaging the world around us, it's clearly the end times. We miss the lesson of history. We miss the fact that the entire Jewish community was looking very specifically for the coming of Elijah and they missed him. They were looking very specifically for the coming of the Messiah and they missed him. And it's absolutely true that when Jesus returns, he will not be missed. As the scriptures say, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. That there, there, will, there, there will be a clear recognition that he's here. But the idea that we will recognize all of the signs and that we will understand what's happening, it's just not grounded in the truth of history. And so that requires of us a bit of humility. I think one of the understated values of the church is that we should be operating as people who are humbly uh, approaching the world around us and humbly approaching the scriptures themselves. That doesn't mean backing up on revealed truth. It doesn't mean backing away from things that we know are absolutely true. But it does mean admitting not everything is really clear. 
And our interpretations and our understandings very well may be wrong. And so rather than being dogmatic about something the Bible is never dogmatic about, we approach those things with humility. That may be the return of Jesus. And that may be the signs leading up to the return of Jesus. That may be what we believe is going on in the culture around us. That may be what we see happening within the church. That may be the theological belief we have around whatever the issue is that we hold so dearly, whether that be women in ministry or gender roles and sexuality, whether that be the way that we understand the will of God, his predetermined will or the free will that he's given to us. It, it may mean the way that we see the way that God answers prayer uh, th- there are so many mysteries in the scriptures, and I, I think the, the, the truth of the Bible again and again will remind us to approach these mysteries with humility, to recognize that we don't know all of it, and that we, can, we, we will miss it just like those, are, uh, those before us have missed it. And so, with humility, we keep our eyes open. It's not that we stop looking. Um, Jesus is reminding them, Elijah did come. You were right to be looking for him. You just missed him. And the Messiah is here. He affirmed in Matthew chapter 16, Peter's response, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, because God has revealed this to you. So yes, keep our eyes open. Seek to discern in the world around us. But we need to do that with humility and with grace. Maybe just take a couple minutes as we wrap up this time today to just ask Jesus in his love and in his grace to show you areas where maybe you're a bit too dogmatic. To show you areas where you need to open your hands up and recognize that you maybe don't have it all figured out. And as we approach the mystery of the gospel, that shouldn't make us feel insecure. That shouldn't make us feel uh, less solid in our faith. It, It should rather remind us of the fact that we serve a supernatural God and that we don't have to have it all figured out. We know who he is and we can be dogmatic about the person and the work of Jesus because he's revealed it to us so clearly. And so rest in that, not in your opinions, not in your understanding of the world, but rest in who he is. Jesus, would you reveal to us areas that we're holding too tightly? Places where we're being dogmatic, where the scriptures have never been dogmatic. And would you teach us a humble grace with which we can approach the world around us? Help us to love the world the way that you do. Help us to care for people just as you do. And Jesus, I pray that in humility and with grace, your spirit would flow from us to the world. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. I pray that the peace and the grace of Jesus would rest upon you, dwell deeply within you, transforming your heart and mind and spirit so that his grace would flow to the world around you. Have a great day.
Look forward to seeing you, being back with you again tomorrow.